Talking Seinfeld is brought to you by our incredible supporters on the Four Finger Discount Patreon. Each month we produce almost 20 hours of listening content, with our supporters gaining early ad-free access to every show, our exclusive Facebook community, prize draws, Zoom calls, and our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Tales of Futurama, The Movie Guys, and Four Finger Discount 2.0, with myself and my original co-host Mitch. So for just as little as $1, you too can join the Four Finger Discount family today and help this podcast dream continue need to thrive at patreon.com slash four discount link is in the description of this podcast oh i just love meeting new people you know that's how you really do learn about life god bless you thank you i wasn't going to say anything but then i could see that he wasn't going to open his mouth <laughs> Hello, all you lovely people out there in podcast world. Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. Apologies to all you listeners out there now wondering what's going on with my voice. I've lost my voice over the weekend. The kids were driving me crazy, but I love them to death. But um, yeah, so if I sound a bit off in this, in this podcast, that is why. But we're here to review a really good episode of Seinfeld. Not to be confused with the finale, it is The Good Samaritan. I am Dando. And he's so good looking. And I'm Guy. <laughs> Do you know they wanted that catchphrase to catch on kind of like these pretzels are making me thirsty and it just didn't work. It, I'm watching this going, I can see what you're trying to do here and it's, I'm not going to buy it. Sometimes I just don't take. No. There's nothing worse than when someone really tries to make fetch happen, to quote the great movie Mean Girls. But uh, yeah, look, I, Seinfeld's got enough catchphrases that grew organically that, yeah, I think we'll... We'll cut them a little slack if they tried to actually manufacture one in a lab. Um, over at the lovely Louise's house, there is uh, a, um, a garment known as an udi. Are you aware of the udi? Udis may or may not be a part of our Four Finger Discount network in the near future. So, yes, we do Ooh. love our friends at the See, udi. This is a wonderful coincidence. <laughs> I had no idea about this because Dando keeps me in the dark, as he should. No, no, no. That's not the case. Um, <laughs> I'll, turn, I'll turn the lights on when we get enough patrons to pay the light bill. Thank you. For- <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Pow. Keep them coming. But over at the Love of Louise's house, there is, yes, this garment, the Udi. And this one in particular is just peppered with Seinfeld catchphrases. So, you know, and it's a big Udi. I mean, this is a fairly decent-sized one. So, yeah, I think they've got enough uh, one-liners in the tank to uh, yeah, not be concerned about one that didn't quite take. And, I don't know, I think the ones that aren't necessarily the ones that everyone drops in everyday conversation are a little more fun. You know, I mean, I think we've spoken in the past about, well, when we were talking about King of the Hill recently, because we've got a King of the Hill podcast coming up, folks, just in case you didn't That's know. Al- it's already out there. It's already out there. The premiere, well, the, the getting to know you episode is out there, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about how if someone drops a line from an obscure show or song or whatever, or something that's not necessarily a, you know, a top of the pops, you go, hey, cool dude, know your stuff. You and me are going to be buds. Yeah. So if someone's, you know, if someone sneezes and someone goes, you're so good looking, it's like, eh, someone knows their Seinfeld. And you'll either, you know, make him your best bud or you'll just ignore them for the rest of your life. Um, but uh, how do we get onto that? Oh, that's right, because I started by saying you're so good looking, which you are, Brendan. Uh, I, I, can, I can actually see why they, though, try to use this way of trying to get a catchphrase happening because they're probably thinking, 
everyone comes across somebody that sneezes a few times a week at least. Yeah. Like everyone says, God bless you. It's just, it just sort of comes naturally. If we can change the God bless you to our catchphrase, it's free promotion. I can, I can see what they would, why they chose that response to, to a sneeze to try and make that a catchphrase, but it just, it just it felt too manufactured yeah. to me. So you don't want to see the seams all the time. No. As I said to my last girlfriend, you just got to let it happen. No, I didn't say that to her. (laughs) But you know what what I did uh, feel was not manufactured? The lies in this episode. This was an episode filled with lies, and I love a good lie. I think we all love a good lie, especially when we get away with one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We we don't like when when our lies unravel, but everyone tells a lie in this episode, except for Kramer, I think. They all tell a lie in some way, and... It all seems to backfire in some way. Some of it's taken in a, in a more positive note. Some of it's uh, not taken very lightly at all. When you when you not threaten Angela, but when you sort of threaten her, um, what would you say, her image? Yes. She doesn't take it very well, does she? Oh my god, she was a nightmare. That was one of my favourite parts <laughs> of the episode. We'll get to that, but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her heel turn, shall we say, and that leads mm. into something else. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. I thought it was just uh, spectacular. Really good work. Yeah, the thing about Kramer not lying is. Kramer is so unbound to societal structure and tendencies and niceties and all that kind of stuff that he doesn't have to. You know, I mean, he knows that Jerry's got a crush on, is it Becky Gelke? Yes, Becky, yeah. Yeah, Becky the, (laughs) what's it, the blonde in the blue sweatpants? (laughs) The blonde with the blue sweatpants, yeah. Mm. Knows that he's got a crush. And I know all's fair in love and war. But Kramer just sort of swans and goes, yeah, that's right, i got a date with her. <laughs> you could have run this past, Jerry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rather than just sort of... I mean, I know that, you know, Becky's no one's property, no one's got dibs or anything like that, but at the same time, Jerry is your buddy. You might say, I'm going to ask her out if that's okay with you. <laughs> and he doesn't see it as an issue at all. And I love the fact that he just believes Becky straight away. It's like he's yeah. his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I loved his life. It's like... I don't even want to look at you anymore, which is yeah, a great yeah. Michael Richards line reading. But yeah, I mean, Kramer doesn't need to lie. He's just so, he operates by his own code. Um, and the fact that he can't lie, or that he chooses not to lie most of the time, is usually what causes everyone else's story to unravel. Correct. You now, when he answers the phone that time, well, what was last week, the limo? Oh, the limo. About <laughs> when, he, when he fucks up everyone's names. Like, he's just, he, he's, he's just his own cat, isn't he? Well, that's not so much a lie as a mistake, but I mean, the, yeah, um, yeah. but certainly Vandalay Industries. No, no, you got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think to go, well, I better run with this just in case. It's like, no, no, fuck it. No, no, no. This, this yeah. is it. You got the wrong number. But yeah, you know, this was actually the first and only episode that Jason Alexander directed. I did know that. I noted that down in my notes because I was like, good on you, Jason. But only, only episode he directed. I don't think he's ever directed anything else, has he? Or... Well, apparently he had directed some stage shows, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So he said I was he was used to directing stage shows, but nothing, nothing that had cameras. And all of a sudden, there was four cameras on the on the set. So he had to get take some getting used to. But mm-hmm. he um he really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a wonder they didn't get him to do more episodes. Maybe he, he thought, well, that's that's add that to my resume, and I'm done. I don't want to do this ever again. <laughs> yeah. But he he noted that um that Michael Richards, the, the, in particular, the scene with the seizure. And he remember he said that he went to Michael and said like. How do you want to do this? You know, this is your scene. I'll work around you. I'll make sure it works to how you want to act this. And apparently, Michael was like, "Oh, let's let's not let's not overdo it. Let's keep it kind of subdued. Let's kind of keep it casual. You know, make it feel like a real seizure." And he goes, "And once the camera started rolling, 
boom, he's breaking table legs and he's knocking bookshelves <laughs> and he's doing this and doing that. And there's a really great blooper you can find of Jerry and well, it's, it's, Elaine's not really breaking character, but Jerry's just he's just breaking character. He's like, I can't keep this guy's just losing his mind over here. He's falling all over the table. And Michael said that he deliberately, uh, when they were doing rehearsals and whatnot didn't act out much at all mm. since, because he wanted to keep it from when the camera was on for two reasons. A, he wanted to surprise everybody on set and B, he thought he might break a bone with how much he was moving his body around. A very good point because he is really going for it. <laughs> he really was going for it, yeah. It's it's a risky move on uh, on Michael Richards' part. As you point out, Jerry does break. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, 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 there's a high degree of uh, certainty that, you know, when you really go for it like that, someone's going to go, oh, my God, and just, you know, lose it completely but no it's a it's a it's very very funny of course but uh something i like about it is also that he does fall down and you see the occasional flailing limb come up behind the couch as opposed i mean starts really going for it and you imagine the scene's going to go that for the whole duration but then, then he falls to the floor and just it makes it even funnier just the fact that there's yeah. a an occasional arm coming up or a leg or whatever like, oh, that's that's good uh, on Michael's part. Good on good direction on Jason's part. Oh, a good collaboration between the two of them. Well, I love that. I love that Jason was able to take the comedy away from the fact that he was having a seizure, and the comedy being that that Elaine and Jerry are completely oblivious that there's this guy losing his yeah. mind in the background. That's the joke. Very good. Absolutely. You don't want to. You don't really want to poke fun at people having a seizure. Like someone having a seizure isn't something to laugh at, but the fact that they didn't notice it is what's meant to be funny there. But yeah. it actually. And it might seem absurd to, to non-American um, viewers, even back in the day, but this is actually a true story. And that's what Elaine points out, the woman from Albany. Uh, she I was actually having seizures from Mary Hart's voice. Can you believe that? I cannot believe that. <laughs> um, but if they're saying it's true, then I guess it is. Also, yeah, that was one of my trivia questions. So there we oh, go. Okay, yes. But yeah, so <laughs> she left ET how long ago now? Oh, gosh. Um, must have been the early 90s, I guess, or, maybe, or the late 80s. No, no, no. When she left ET, no, no, she left ET in the last few ten years, didn't she? Mary Hart. Mary Hart. Yeah. When? Maybe Mary I'm thinking of Lisa Gibbons. Leave ET. Let's have a look. In 2010. Oh, May 20th, 2011. She announced oh in 2010. Gosh. She left in 2011. Yeah. Okay then. Hmm. Because I used to watch Entertainment Tonight all the time. I thought <laughs> it's the outro music to our Movie Guys podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which we um. If you are not a patron, we this month we did the Sandlot Kids, and next month it is our Guys Choice. It's Guys Choice for a film, and we've gone with uh, Tremors, haven't we? We have indeed. Yeah, so looking out for that one on our Patreon page. Can't wait for that, and you shouldn't wait for it either, because yeah, it's. Get patronising, and uh, you'll get it before anybody else. Yeah, exactly right. But uh, yeah, so I just found it interesting to actually happen. It's funny when you watch, uh, you watch stories on pod, uh, not on podcasts, on sitcoms and things like this, and you think well, this is just a bit of a bit of a bit of a stretch, and then you're like, I oh, know this this really happened. It was similar to when um we did the episode of The Simpsons, Goo Goo Guy Pan. And um, Dana Gould wrote that episode, and I thought oh, it was a bit much that you know she's going all the way to China to adopt a baby, mm. and it's like no, he actually did that three times. Yeah. I'm like. There you go. <laughs> well, urban legend stories like that—they're often interesting, and there's often more to them than just the punchline or just the uh, yeah, just the headline. I mean, there's the—I think that maybe one of the best examples is um, that woman who sued McDonald's because oh, my coffee's too hot, and everyone goes, "You ordered hot coffee, lady. What more do you expect?" Um, but it turned out to be like scalding hot, like so hot it gave her third degree burns when it spilled on her. They didn't give a proper notification about exactly how hot it was. I think there was something to do with the cups as well, that they were sort of flimsily designed and the lid would come off and spill. So, you know, it's not just a case of, 
oh, my, my coffee's too hot and it burned my tongue. It's more like, no, they served this woman molten lava in a cup. Yeah, she, she didn't go there with the intention of suing them. She, wanted, she just wanted a cup of coffee. <laughs> it wasn't some scam. It was like, yeah. uh, no, I was legitimately injured by your scalding hot coffee and, and possibly your you know, flimsy, uh, flimsy cup arrangement. That is a good one, Stu. Yeah. One of my favourites. All right, what were your favourite moments from The Good Samaritan? <laughs> I'll tell you something. Um, I don't know if this is a, a nice coincidence or not, but there's a, a scene early on where George and Jerry are in Jerry's apartment. And they're yep. pouring, uh, George is pouring glasses of milk. And I've written down, you're drinking milk, guys? And then like two seconds later, uh, Jerry said, what am I drinking, milk? Yeah, and that's it. I just left it that. He's like, yeah, because like, George just poured the milk for some reason. Like, I mean, do you remember the last time you drank a glass of milk? Milk by itself? No. I honestly cannot remember. I reckon child. Yeah. I haven't had milk in the house for goodness knows how long. I mean, I... Milk at all? Don't you drink coffee? I have I have my coffee black. Ah, oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, if I'm having a latte, it's usually one that I bought. Nicola runs through milk like it's nobody's business. She knows <laughs> English in their tea, but she oh, also course, has yeah. the um, the soy milk. So it's more. It's like it's like five dollars a carton. It's like oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, lose into the almond milk when she uh, when she has a okay. coffee. So, yeah. So I'll be, um, I'll, if we ever come visit Lovely Louise, we'll make sure to keep note of that because that will kill my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> Forgot about the nuts. Nobody <laughs> likes the nuts. Well, Nicola doesn't like the nuts. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Yes, I thought that was funny. I, I really liked the anger in this episode because it had sort of two you know, very angry people back to back when uh, when Michael's on the phone to Elaine. And, I mean, I just thought this line was fantastic. I'm going to sew his ass to his face. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, that, that's it's like, oh, he means business. He really does. <laughs> and then, um, then you sort of cut... I, I feel like it cut immediately to Angela sort of confronting um, confronting Jerry. And oh, it wasn't right. The, was, was it immediately? Because, oh, yeah, because George, yeah, because she leaves and then Elaine enters and then George comes after that. Yeah, yeah, of course, you're right, yeah. Yeah, the first thing is like, no, that's not suck face. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I really love that, yeah, like I said, the heel turn from Angela because, you know, she's been so sort of charming and seductive all the way through. Beautiful, I mean, almost, yeah. almost absurdly so. I mean, when they're having ice cream cones in the uh, in the car, it's like, you're eating that ice cream cone in a very adult way, shall mm, we yeah. say. You're committing <laughs> adultery against that ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like that. And speaking of adultery, yeah, that uh, just to rewind a little bit, I just love that cut to... Uh, Robin and George in bed and he's all, all bunched up that he committed adultery and she's like so matter of fact you didn't commit adultery I did yeah he's, and he's like, like hey I'm off my, the hook if I get a jail free card yeah. yeah he's so happy about that I mean he's not entirely happy about it he's still a little bit feeling a little bit guilty but it's like oh yeah well I guess if you're going by the book definition no I didn't commit adultery good for me yeah now I really enjoyed Jerry uh, telling his lie and George coaxes him to continue. So just the, so tell us about it. And then Jerry starts off, oh, right, 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 right. Just trying to stall for time, trying to think of what he's going to say. What but did he say? The, the bit, tell, tell him about the shoving. Yeah, yeah. The, when George talks about the shoving, he's like, what happened? He backed off. It's pretty pathetic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Made me I feel did, like a big man. <laughs> I did like that Jerry 
normally you see him in a situation like that go, mm, you know, pull a death stare on someone, but he seemed kind of like, okay, let's see if I can improvise my way out of this or have a little fun with it. And just throwing in his karate, but, you know, I got no karate stance. Oh, that karate stance, stance was, this got me. That was so funny. <laughs> and like, you know karate? I know a little. <laughs> know a little? Yeah, I know a little. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was very funny, you're right. Yeah, very good. And then when he catches out Elaine for lying, and he delivers the Eduardo Caraccio. <laughs> Where would you meet him? Where would you meet a matador in New York City? Res pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought uh, Julia's acting there as well. It almost looked like she was about to break character. When, the, mm. when Jerry's calling her out and she's trying to get that smoke off her face. Like She's like, all right, fuck, I've been caught. <laughs> you got me. Uh, it's always the, the lies in this episode, they're either taken very, very... Uh, very poorly in regards like Michael and Robin for, mm-hmm. um, for good reason. But then, you know, when Jerry catches out Elaine for lying, it's all taken in, in tongue and cheek. It's like, oh, good fun. hey, you were just five minutes ago having a go at me and now, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've got you back. But I was going to ask you, just rewinding a little bit further back there, talking about Angela going off at Jerry, what's your favourite term for I'm going to beat someone up? I think nothing goes past I'm going to fuck him up. I think when that I'm going to fuck him up gets dropped, it's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can, I'm going to beat the shit out of him. It's like, eh, you can try, mate, you can try. You can try. I mean, you'd really have to beat someone up to, you know, make him shit pant. Yeah. But um, it's like, I'm going to fuck him up. It's like, hmm. Yeah, that's usually the, yeah. <laughs> Things are about to get real. It's one of my favourite lines in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> when, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. When Tom Cruise is just on the line, he's just screaming at that uh, terrorist leader or that uh, that gang leader who's like, I will massacre you. I will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you up. It's, it's scary, man. Like, it's like, oh, shit. But the thing is, my favourite memory of Tropic Thunder was when the film was over. I'm pretty sure they have like the cast like do a funny dance and stuff during the credits and mm. they say their names, who it is. I'll never forget it was because Tom Cruise I remember he's like doing like a dance in like a fat suit or something like that or whatever yeah. and this woman just goes that was fucking Tom Cruise like she obviously <laughs> didn't know the entire film and it's the credits she just yells that out and everyone just pissed themselves laughing it was just that's oh. my memory of Tropic Thunder <laughs> could you spell that please no next question all right, Mr. Davis, it is time for some trivia for the Good Samaritan. But before we do that, it's time for shout-outs, of course, of our patrons, starting with our $100 patron, Mr. Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index podcast. If you have not subscribed to that podcast yet, what are you doing? Go to it right now, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the Simpsons Index podcast. Subscribe to their show. We were on there late last year. It is a hell of a good time. You will certainly enjoy it, the Simpsons Index podcast. Thank you, Elliot J. O'Neill. Also, mm-hmm. thank you to our man, Brian Hughes. We've got your Pee Wee's Big Adventure review coming in the next week or so so hang tight for that one i'll just try i had to try and find a uh, um a copy of it do you have a copy i had to download it obviously do you have it i do i, I dug out my vhs i'm uh, not my vhs my uh, my dvd D- yeah nice one yeah okay yeah i said i didn't have it on the dvd but yeah so brian hughes thank you for your support um being a hundred hundred dollar patient as well by the way guys if you like for us to review anything of your choice you're just going to be a 100 dollars patron 100 dollars patron and you will be uh, able to choose anything for Guy and myself to review that month. Also, shout out to our man Andrew Zer, our $50 patron. Once again, you're an absolute champion. And the following people are $5 per week slash $20 patrons. We've got Jordan Molman Richie, Christopher Darby, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Pete Anderson, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Joel Yolande, Katie G, 
Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Declan Phoenix, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, and Adric McLeod. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Remember, for just $5 per week, you get your name read out on every single podcast here on the Four Finger Discount Network. And as Guy mentioned a little bit earlier, we have a new show here on the Four Finger Discount Network. It is Speaking of the Hill, a King of the Hill podcast. So if you're a fan of King of the Hill, make sure you follow the link that's in the description of this podcast and hit that subscribe button and enjoy some more Guy and Dando goodness in your ears every month as we review every episode of King of the Hill. But, Mr. Davis, what is your first trivia question for The Good Samaritan? Righto. Uh, Jerry goes on a date with Angela when they first meet. What do they have to drink? Uh, it would be the answer to my first question. That would be decaf cappuccino. <laughs> I get the feeling we're going to have a bit of crossover here with our questions. Yeah. But, uh, there wasn't much to really choose from in this one, I thought. Um, Not a so whole lot. What, what does uh, Kramer think he may have had a seizure from? Is that your next one? <laughs> Sardine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your final one then? <laughs> uh, hang on a sec. I, yeah, I, I think we already said the Matador's name and we already said where that woman affected by Mary Hart's voice was from. So which film star does George quote when he's talking about affairs? Oh, oh no, that's not who I'm... Um, I've got a different one. Uh, when he's talking about affairs. Oh, shit. Um, who, he's thinking about suspenders and cocktails and... No, I'm, I'm lost. I'm tired. William Holden. Oh, of course. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and my final one is, which two famous actors do Angela and Jerry discuss? About? And, oh, they were definitely... Um, I think he thinks one of them wouldn't leave a ticket. I oh, wouldn't leave a note and one would or something like that. Yeah. yeah one, would, one would always leave a note and the other would not. And yeah. uh, that's Anthony Quinn and Kirk Douglas. Yeah, I thought Kirk Douglas would leave a note. Don't you reckon he would, Kirk Douglas? There are a few sordid stories about Kirk Douglas, and I'm not going to... You know, really? allude to here. Just you know, you can you can Google Kirk Douglas rumors and see what happens. But, uh, oh. well, actually, Google but those words: Kirk Douglas rumors. <laughs> Indeed, by all means, do that. But uh, he also gave us Michael Douglas, so you know, it all evens out in the end. <laughs> yes. All right. That is trivia for the Good Samaritan. We'll be right back, guys, in just a moment with our in-depth review of the episode. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon, where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of The Good Samaritan was March 4th, 1992. It was written by Peter Melman and directed by Jason Alexander. Actually, an interesting tidbit here from Peter Melman. He said that when they originally had this on TV, this episode, when it originally aired, Entertainment Tonight would not let them use uh, Mary Hart's voice because the show wasn't popular enough. And by the end of the show's run for syndication, they're like, oh, Seinfeld's like the biggest show of the 90s, <laughs> and they allowed Mary Hart's voice to be on the episode. 
But did they use the Entertainment Tonight theme? Because I was watching this on Netflix and I'm like, that's not Entertainment Tonight music because how many times during the course of this podcast have I gone... what I heard on Netflix did not sound like that. It didn't indeed, no. I'm not too sure. Maybe they used the original one. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I know originally they said no and then they changed their tune because they wanted to be on Seinfeld. Who wouldn't want to be a part of Seinfeld by the end of the show's run? Exactly right. So the episode kicks off with some stand-up, and it's Jerry discussing all the various phones. You can tell that this was made in 1992 because mm-hmm. of this of this kind of talk about phones. Yeah, it's like, well, what do we all need a phone for? It's like, I think people spend more time with their phone in their hand than not these days. Here's the question. I was thinking the other day, right? Most people use their phone when they go to the bathroom, right? When they go to the toilet, right? Mm-hmm. Most people take their phone there. If you take your phone to the toilet, leave the toilet, Wash your hands and then just touch your phone again. Are you not just dirtying your hands again? What's dirtier, a door handle of a toilet or your phone? I think if you start thinking about, you know, where germs are placed in your house or, or on things that you use in an everyday fashion, you'll just you'll end up the boy in the plastic bubble. You just won't want to go outside. So. Yeah, but don't you think though? <laughs> like if, if you're literally using your hand, using your hand that, to touch your phone, and then you wash your hands, but then touch the dirty dirty phone again. What was the point? I mean, I still wash my hands anyway, but do you know what I mean? I was about to say, what's all this talk about washing hands? What what are you, you, royalty? (laughs) You fancy lad. What what was that job you had in uh, in today's what? Um, what, What's the In this economy? In this economy, yes, Bob's Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Using liquid soap in this economy? (laughs) Using more than one square of toilet paper in this economy? Uh, but Jerry's saying that everyone always wants to be on the phone. Like, Give people a chance to miss you a little. Uh, the episode kicks Which is right. Ger- yeah. yeah, yeah. Jerry kicks. Uh, the episode kicks off with Jerry on his speakerphone, chatting to Elaine from his car, and they're talking about how he's got it on loudspeaker, which is the right thing to do. Why is it annoying to the other person? She's like, what do you got me on loudspeaker for? I'm like, because you're supposed to. <laughs> I guess there was always that feeling, you know, prior to uh, Bluetooth and all that kind of stuff. That uh, Oh, I see. So... You- there's a bit, yeah, phone calls, phone calls are always kind of intimate. You know, it's a, it's a private conversation between the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. I know, but in 1992, though, if, if it's a car phone, it's coming through the car speaker still, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, you look back at movies or, or footage from that era and a car phone is usually, it, it looks like an old school telephone, you know, okay. with a cord usually. It's not cordless or wireless or anything like that. So, I mean, you can have it on speakerphone, but... I don't know. It looks like the kind of phone you would put to your ear. So, I don't know. If you if you do have it on loudspeaker, it's like, man, everyone's listening to our private conversation. It's cheapening the, the intimacy of the experience between the two of us. You know, or it's just showing up. It's like, hey, guess what? I got one of those fancy speaker phones. Yeah, no, you've got to put your phone, your receiver to your ear like a savage. God only knows how many germs you've got. Did you ever have a car phone? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, but they, um, I'd loved this next bit because this is totally me. The guy asking for permission to, to, to come into his lane. Yes, yes, hurry up, go, move, move. I am so that person. <laughs> I've never I've never done that. I mean, I'll always give – I mean, that's what your indicator's for. You move forward a little bit and you indicate or you 
I don't know. I mean, but you always you always give the wave. Oh yeah, I know that. But it, even if they're not sort of waving at the window, I mean, just if they're indicating and it's like they got they're slowing down and it's like you start slowing down, they still haven't moved over. It's like I oh, fucking slow down, fucking hurry up, move, go yeah, on, that's go, true. hurry up. There's nothing up. worse than that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> nothing worse at all. No, I tell you one thing that's worse, and I may have already mentioned this on the podcast, but it happened to me again on the weekend, and it infuriates me. When you drive in the car, and you're stuck behind someone at a red arrow to turn right right in the turning oh, lane yeah. and then it turns green and they don't go and they don't go you, get, you give them like a few seconds and they don't go so you honk the horn it's in a polite way to say hey it's green and they look at you like it's red i'm like no yeah. that light's red green arrow motherfucker go they don't go and you honk again they point to it again and it goes yellow and they go oh shit i better go and then you yeah. don't go through you fucking cocksucker <laughs> <laughs> clearly an upset stander yeah they're I'm going to fuck you up. You're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. There are two situations where, in where that is just terrible. Where, as you said, they haven't no, they they're turning and they haven't noticed the arrow, and then as it turns yellow, that's when they turn, and you you're still stuck there like a chump. Or, and this is easy to forgive because not everyone knows that you know some lanes are well. This is straight, but also turning. Mm. But they'll get into the turning lane, but still going straight ahead. Yeah, then they'll be the green arrow, and they're like, well, I'm not turning. I'm, I'm just going straight ahead, Matt. But, but everyone behind you wants to turn. <laughs> or there's one other thing, one other scenario, just before we move on to uh, – clearly we're not good Samaritans. <laughs> but when it's a, a – you can turn, like, but there's no green arrow. It's just green lights, which means you can go. You just got to give way to cars that are oncoming the other direction. And they don't uh, realise that because there's no specific arrow. They're like, they think if there's no green actual arrow, I can't go. And I'm like, motherfucker, yeah. go, move forward, please. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the people who were just, yeah, too sort of shy to move, or, you know, too a little scared to move out into the intersection. It's like, yeah. when it changes, we you're going to be the only person who goes. Yeah, I'm like, creep, creep, motherfucker, just, creep. Just creep out a little bit, <laughs> you know, have a little faith in your fellow drivers. Yeah. Uh, it's not that know, hard. Enough with the rants. <laughs> but at just this moment here, that's, just, that's what grinds so our gears. And then when when he doesn't get the thank you wave, it always grinds my gears. I'm like, I waited for you. At least all I want, even if it's just a finger, just an acknowledgement that you acknowledge that I waited for you. It is the one thing that binds us together as a society. Just the the finger, the raised the wave, finger, the, not the, not the middle finger. No. Yes, the little raised finger acknowledgement. You know, you're driving down a street that's a little narrow and there are cars parked on either side. It's like, we're not both going to make this. We're going to be there at the same time. One of us one of us has to go. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to take the hit. You better get the finger <laughs> or the <laughs> or, wave. Or I'm going to turn around, turn this car what? around and follow you two blocks. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. I'll, I'll follow you to Queens and assume a karate stance. Yeah, you are not You are not a good Samaritan if you don't give the finger. But <laughs> Elaine says, um, are you free on Friday? Because Robin Sadusky, I think her name is. Sadusky, um, yep. Yeah, she's asked if uh, Lincoln come to dinner with her on Friday and Elaine doesn't want to be there alone. She explains in, the, in a moment why she doesn't want to be there alone. And then Jerry, at that point, sees the hit and run. Now, did, did Jerry actually say he would come? Or, or was it at the same moment? I think he must have said. I think he must have said yes because Elaine's expecting it, isn't he? Isn't she? Yeah. I think she assumes. I don't think we heard Jerry say he would actually do it. I think. Maybe. I think Elaine would make more of it. Yeah. Uh, if if he'd said, yeah, yeah, I'll come. Yeah. Because maybe not. She, yeah. Because she rocks up to the apartment and says, "Oh, you're going to come for this thing," and he goes, "Oh, I got a date." Oh my God! You won't believe what I just saw. A car just bashed into a parked car and sped off right on my block. 
you got to follow that car. What? You can't let him get away with that. Elaine, the guy could be dangerous. What are you, yellow? I'm not yellow. Jerry, if you don't follow him, you're yellow. We've all had that moment once when we're driving a car where it's like, I'm going to follow this guy. And we never do. But it's like the thrill of following someone. Like, How far do you oh, think yeah. you would follow someone before you chickened out and gone, oh, fuck that. They know that I'm following them. They're going to pull a gun out. I better, I better bail. Abort, abort. Like, how far do you reckon you'd follow somebody if you saw them about do something like a, this? Block and a half. Block and a half, yeah. I think once you've turned, <laughs> once you've turned like, maybe three corners, I think the person in front of you would realise, they're on to me. I'd be a dreadful PI. Yeah, I don't think I'd be good at following people. Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to lose them. I like Lane calling him yellow. I'm not yellow. <laughs> <laughs> But Jerry approaches the driver and realizes it's a beautiful woman named Angela. We don't know Angela yet, but we find out her name's Angela a little bit later. And then he makes up some, I'm assuming, fake car stuff. He just says a bunch of parts of the car, like left rear tires a little low and it could affect this and affect that. Because Jerry doesn't come across, I know in real life Jerry is a cars guy, but he doesn't really come across yeah, yeah. like a cars guy in the show, don't you think? That's correct. <laughs> I mean, the way he's talking about rack and pinion and all that kind of stuff is like, yeah, you're talking a good game. I don't know if those things are actually... Uh, uh, affected by what you're talking about, but still, that is good. I, I was also very taken with just Elaine's burning desire for justice. I thought that was great. Like you follow that person. Yeah, I, I love. I love it when when you're the person egging someone else to do it. It's like just do it. You you pussy. It's like, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> but Jerry, um, he explains to Georgia he went for coffee with her with a oh, cappuccino. He went with her decaf cappuccino. De- decaf cappuccino. They're going to meet again on Friday night. And George, he's speechless. He has no speech. So I wound up going out for a decaf cappuccino with her. <laughs> Boy, what a story. I, I'm speechless. Speechless. I have no speech. <laughs> you know, I really liked her. We talked, we flirted, and when she laughed, she'd reach out and touch my arm. <laughs> Love when they touch your arm. I can't get enough of them. <laughs> Why is that? Let's not even analyze it. And it's true, though, when they touch your arm, it's like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay, <laughs> how, yeah. We, how quaint we, 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 were, we were in our little bubbles and uh, you, you pierced it and, oh, yeah. okay, well, this is a prelude to possible more touching, maybe yeah. even more fun body parts. Uh, but I did like, I was like, why do we like that? Let's not even analyse it. <laughs> I saw that as a take on just Seinfeld in general because they would normally analyse something like that. Like, uh, we're going to move this story along. Let's not analyse it. So Elaine <laughs> then comes up and he says to George, don't you tell anyone. And George uses, I dig which I thought might have gone somewhere. I thought, but no, like they didn't sort of play it up. Or anything. Look, that to me just feels like such a, a white, hearing a white guy say that just sounds so funny, especially George. I dig. It's a phrase that I use a lot. It's like, I always say I can dig it. And for some reason, yeah, I thought this was one that Jerry ran with a bit more because it yeah. does seem like that kind of thing, doesn't it? Like when, you know, when George says he'd love to be a buff or something, so Biff wants to be a buff or yeah. <laughs> whatever that, I mean, it seems like the kind of thing Jerry would pounce on and really make a meal out of. But uh, no, they just keep it moving along fairly quickly this episode. George thinks they're going to get along just fine. They're going to be have a good, healthy relationship because all great couples have a great story about how they met. You have a great story about how you met Louise. I think you've already explained this. You went on a date on High Street. Is that right? Well, that's it. But yeah, um, that was our first date. But I mean, we met on Tinder. Oh, shit. <laughs> you may have told me that. And I completely forgot. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I, of course, was single at the time. And and keen to mingle. Well, that's right. <laughs> I was frequently installing and uninstalling Tinder. 
because honestly, I mean, I didn't think it was a dating app. I thought it was just like, this is where you go to get laid, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> RSVP and all those ones, they're for dating. This is for like hot singles in your area. <laughs> so I'm on Tinder on a Saturday night. And um, I don't know if I have told this story. Swiping left, swipe, swiping right, whatever. See this very pretty woman. And I'm like, well, she's real attractive. Let's find out a little more about her if I can. I mean, you know, I'm, I like to think I'm a man of depth. I'm not just going to, you know, let the picture tell the whole story. Let's see, you know, what she's got to say about herself. I was looking for a profile or some, you know, indication of who she was. And I accidentally hit a button called super like. Which is, <laughs> you don't just like this person. You super like them. <laughs> and you can't take it back? <laughs> I don't think you can. <laughs> Louise, there, how, how many seconds of panic were there when you did that? <laughs> Louise very generously hit super like back, which wow. I later found out she also did by accident. <laughs> That's uh, a good story. But yeah, it is. And then we got to talking and, you know, discovered that, um, I don't know, we liked chatting with one another. We had a common appreciation of the music of Steely Dan, which uh, got, us a, got us a fair bit of the way. And then we uh, met for drinks Coming up on four years ago next week. Wow. So it's close to Valentine's yeah. Day then. It is indeed close to Valentine's Day. So, uh, yep, uh, it's been four years and I keep going back for more because she's just the greatest. By the way, shout out to um to my lovely wife, Nicola, um, who co-hosts the Friends podcast here on the network with us. If you want to hear my lovely wife, Nicola, you can listen to the one about Friends. But we celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary in two weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, married for 10 years. What were we well, thinking? Molly. What was she thinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, enough so, about our significant others. We now return you to Talking Seinfeld already in progress. Yeah. So where were we up to? Um, meeting stories. Good to have a meeting story. Good to have a meeting Oh, yes, of course. George says, yeah. And it's true. Because like, I met Nicola in the toilet. I've already discussed that story. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a different podcast. I think, I think meeting on Tinder is only slightly more dignified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it, it's true though. I completely agree with George here. And then Jerry wonders um, if he's nuts for pursuing her because you know she's she's a criminal. She 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 created this car and she um she didn't do anything. On the other hand, and then tries to justify <laughs> it to himself. I, I love it when they do this on Seinfeld. You know she's terrible. You know they do this or he does that and you know all this bad stuff. But you know, on the other <laughs> hand, I really want to do it. So here's a list of reasons why I think it's okay to do so anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then this is where they're drinking the milk, as you were saying earlier. And then Elaine returns. I like that she was there for a reason. She wasn't just visiting because it gets annoying after a while, and it's just like, hey, who is the it? It's Elaine coming up. It's like, why? Why are they constantly just coming over to each other's houses? But she was bringing over <laughs> his sweater, which she actually does acknowledge later in the episode. When Kramer's there, she says, Kramer, can you pass, before he's about to um, have his seizure, she says, Kramer, pass me Jerry's sweater because she wants to use it like a blanket mm. to keep warm. But that's sort of it. At least it's like it's something, no, it's like a, a, th- a reason for her to return to the, um, to the apartment. And then uh, <laughs> we get the lie about following the other uh, driver over the bridge, over the bridge, all the way to <laughs> Queens, which this is just like, when you're trying to explain to somebody why do you love Seinfeld so much, you just show them scenes like this, don't you? Because it's just so mm. amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just small talk elevated to an art. The smirk on Jason Alexander's face with George was like, tell her about the shoving. <laughs> Just, <laughs> look, she, she's, she's buying it. She's buying it. Let's, let's keep this going. I'm, yeah. having, I'm, I'm having fun listening to let's this up story. Let's up the ante a bit. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the fucking karate stance, though. Just, you know karate? Yeah, I know a little. But then the, he backed off, crossed his arms. It's pretty pathetic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
happened? With what? With the car. What car? The hit and run. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> well, actually, the guy went into Queens. Queens? Mm. You followed him over the bridge? Over the bridge. No, I, uh, I didn't know you went into Queens, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, Queens. So? Then what? So he gets out of the car. I said, hey, buddy, I saw you hit that car. So he says to me, what are you going to do about it? <gasps> so I said to him, whatever is necessary. Uh, 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 I am speechless. I am without speech. Tell her about the shoving. What? What's shoving? Oh, it was nothing. No! Tell her. Well, he kind of lost his temper and he was pushing me up against the car, so I went into a karate stance. You know karate? I know a little. Well, I, this is so amazing to me. Jerry, what, what did he do? He backed off. It's pretty pathetic, actually. The crime enters and then... Tell, did you tell Kramer? And he's like, he has to tell Kramer about the whole story. And then, you know, those people that do that, they're mentally disturbed. We should be sent to Australia. And I was like, oh, shout out to Australia. Well, <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, leave Australia out of this. That's where they send all their convicts. Not anymore. No? <laughs> <laughs> and then here, though, the only sort of thing I didn't get about this line, I may have just heard it wrong, but in my notes I've got, he says he doesn't know how he got the bump and then proceeds to explain to Elaine how he got the bump. Like, what happened to your head? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I was just watching Entertainment at 18 and I fell over and bumped my head on the table. So I guess he's trying to say, I don't know why I fell over. Why it happened. Yeah, yeah, he, knows, yeah. he knows what happened, but he doesn't know why it happened. Yeah, yeah. So he bumped his head on the coffee table because he, he turned out, turns out he had a seizure, which we find out in a, in a few moments. Jerry's now, uh, he's, now, he's got a date on Friday night, so he can't go um, with, with Elaine. She's kind of annoyed, but quickly, she's quick to just accept George as a date, isn't she? She's like, oh yeah, George. Well, George is quick to George is quick to accept because someone else is going to pay. I'm in. <laughs> and then <laughs> Elaine explains that she doesn't like being alone with married couples, which I can kind of understand. It's funny when once Nicola and I, I think it's more so when you have kids. Once Nicola and I had kids, all of our childless friends, like the couples, they just like fall off the face of the earth. They're like, we don't want to hear baby stories. We don't want to hear all this shit. <laughs> they just they just disappear. And then once they have kids, it's like, hey, we haven't spoken in a while. We've got shit to talk about now. Well, because <laughs> I haven't found it with Mitch. When we go have like coffee with Mitch and Ash, um, you know, our previous co-host, the Four Finger Discount, I'll be like talking about Elliot and Holly. And they're just like, cool. Oh, yeah. Cool, yeah. Changing <laughs> shooting nappies. Yeah, oh, up all night. That doesn't sound like a good time at all. No, no. Anyway. I give a fuck. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, George has agreed to go with um, with uh, Elaine on the on the dinner date, and she says her life's very exciting. It's very exciting. We're now at the dinner, and Elaine tells her life of the episode. That had, was it? She had an affair with the bullfighter, or she just was sleeping with the bullfighter? Oh, oh had a relationship, I think. With, okay, with had a relationship, the, yep. Yeah, with the matador. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And George, meanwhile, is eating like a pig again. I was like, man, I could not keep a straight face if I was sitting next to this kind of guy. If you're eating like that at the same table as me, I've got to say something. Yeah. When you're out having dinner, would you not be not, not embarrassed, but just be like, come on, mate, pull your head in. I'm wondering the most sort of diplomatic way to go about that. Yeah. Like, 
enjoying that? How's how's that meal working out for you? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I just I, I'm I hate loud eaters, so sometimes <laughs> it's one thing Nick and I have. Like sometimes I sit there watching TV, and Nicholas just like and like the sound. I'm like, must you chew so fucking loud? <laughs> there's a there's a, a, a phrase for that, it's like a condition, misophonia. I believe Is that? it's called. Well, I suffer I from so it. That, okay, <laughs> I'm I'm. Maybe Seinfeld had a bit to do with this, but I am constantly paranoid about, you know, food around my mouth, food in my beard or something like that. So I always have the napkin on standby next to me when I'm eating, you know, and certainly with particular dishes like pasta or whatever. But, you know, every second bite, I'm like grabbing the napkin, making sure, sure. making sure, because I mean, and I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure (laughs) I'm, I'm just having horrible acid flashbacks of, you know, George on the Jumbotron with Sunday, chocolate Sunday all over his face. We were watching, uh, Lou and I were watching the uh, the Open last night, watching the Australian Open final with um, with Djokovic and, and Sitsipas. Um, and they kept cutting to people in the in the crowd, but they had like a real slow-mo thing going on. So, And it was usually a reaction shot to like a, a point being scored or whatever. And there was this one lady who sort of, Forgive me, I know this is a podcast and this is going to be a visual demonstration. Dano, maybe you can tell the folks what I'm doing here. But she went, like, kind of, and I, I slowed it down for the purposes. Yeah, but that's exactly how it looked because they did it in slow-mo. I thought, this poor woman, <laughs> you know, probably her, her children or her grandchildren, Nana, we saw you on the tennis. <laughs> you look like a... You what were you like doing? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> you looked deranged. <laughs> But they did this more than once to a few people who were just like. I, I reckon the people, the directors, just have it, just do it for shits and gigs. Sometimes, like the, the, the audience at home will like this one. Let's let's play this. Oh one. yeah, I was I was saying, look, it's like there's a sniper up in the up in the rafters, <laughs> just taking shots at these poor people. It's like just, there's there's talent scouts around the arena, just looking for the ones yeah. that are like, oh, yeah, they'll pull a face. Let's oh, focus yeah. on these guys. <laughs> keep it on, keep it on for ten minutes. You, you're bound to get something. <laughs> but this is where uh, Robin sneezes and I feel George waited long enough and as it turns out Michael's never said God bless you to Robin either so he, was ne- he wasn't going to say it So, but George waited long enough here I, I mean I'm a stickler for saying God bless you if no one says it I'm going to say it I think it's just courteous I think if someone sneezes they appreciate someone saying God bless you or just at, oh, if, yeah. if, if you just say bless you I have written down pretty much exactly the same. You gotta say God bless you. I tend to say God bless you because I don't know. I've got a Catholic here. upbringing, but um, usually I'll just go to bless you. And I don't think I occasionally gesundheit because it's good to shake it up a little bit. But you always have to acknowledge that when when someone says, "Oh bless you," and also this used to happen back at the office when I used to work in the office. Someone would sneeze. I'd wait. I'd wait. No one would say anything. I go bless you. If they don't acknowledge. You saying bless you, that's that's like not giving the finger when you're driving. If someone says bless you to you, you always say, oh, thanks. Don't just well, let someone say like, bless you and then just like a drive-by and just let it go. Like, you've got to say another thank catchphrase you. that maybe didn't quite take off. We live in a society, people. So, yeah. you know, keep it together by, you know, raising a little finger of, uh, of gratitude and acknowledgement or recognizing that someone said bless you by saying thanks. The process of a sneeze is a three-step process. The sneeze, the bless you, and the acknowledge, the thank you. It's the holy trinity. Yes. God bless you. And if it's it's God God bless you, you, it's a a holy trilogy. Otherwise, it's just That's correct. (laughs) But then, George here, the way he goes about it, though, is probably not the way. 
Oh, I could see he wasn't going to say nothing. Ah, like, oh, now well, you've started it. <laughs> well, yeah, George cannot yeah, enjoy an easy W. He's got to just uh, he's got to taint the win one way or another. I also did love that when Elaine's telling her story, she's so focused on her lie that she's not even really paying attention to George. He's like, "Pass me the bread, pass me this," and she's just like, not even looking at him. She's like, "Whatever you pick, just fucking keep eating. Just shut up, sit in the corner, and shut <laughs> up, fill your face." He's so gross. Does he get the bread the first time? Because he asks for it twice, doesn't he? Does he, he asks for something. Does he yeah, get bread's it? definitely one of the times. Yeah, salt and bread. I think salt yeah. and bread is it. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> and then Jerry's now having a date with um with Angela eating the ice cream. And as you said, very seductive. I was like, she is enjoying this ice cream. And I can think the ice cream might be enjoying it too. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> but then he tries to be, he's trying to uh, basically acknowledge to her, you know, did you, you didn't leave a note. I know that you didn't leave that note. He, he wants her to sort of, it's, it's a case, like we were saying earlier, pointing out someone's eating like a pig. You don't want to just say you're eating like a pig. You want to sort of, bring it up in a way where it's like a topic of conversation where they go, oh, maybe I should try do something about this. He's trying to bring well, it up. Well, yeah. You, you basically, I mean, like I said before about the napkin, I think, yeah, if you're with at a table with someone who's eating like a pig and you wanted to sort of maybe dissuade them from doing so, I would probably play up my napkin thing. Go, On my face, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be, oh, man. <laughs> Call me crazy. There's nothing worse than just, you know, having stuff on your face. I mean, I'm always just wiping my face because, oh, God, it'd be so bad to have stuff on your face, you know, if you're eating like a fucking pig. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how it goes down. <laughs> and and that's and that's why I was on Tinder. <laughs> but she's completely not listening uh, at all. She's not acknowledging it. She just goes in for another kiss. And I was like, oh, damn, might as well go for it. Then Michael <laughs> yells at George. And you think you're special? Oh, no, I don't think I'm special. My mother always said that I'm not special. That's like the line of the episode. I thought that was just, my mother always says I'm not special. And then, and then he, I felt uncomfortable in this next bit when he starts yelling at Robin. So like, now you're taking oh, yeah. his side. I'm not taking, I'm not taking his side. Whose side are you taking? Well, I'm not taking your side. And then she sneezes and George is like, by all means. <laughs> oh, yours, sir. <laughs> the floor is yours. But it's also great because, I mean, it kind of gives them an out. You know, when they end up in bed together later, it's like, I get the feeling she's probably going to leave this guy anyway, or at least she should, because he's a scumbag. Yeah, at least he's a prick. It's right. I didn't actually see it like that. So the fact that she's cheating, it's not like she's cheating on a decent human being. You should never cheat. I mean, you shouldn't cheat. You should just leave. You know what I mean? But yeah, some people can't, I guess. It depends on the situation. But yeah, you're right. Making him be a prick <laughs> at dinner softens the blow when she has the affair with George a little bit later on. And then Jerry stops kissing uh, Angela so they can discuss Kirk Douglas. He's just really trying to sort of get it out of her. You know, I know what you did last week. (laughs) I said, God bless you. Was that so wrong? The question is, did you allow a space for the husband to come in with his God bless you? Because as the husband, he has the right of first refusal. (laughs) Yeah. It's me. Uh, Yes, yes, I definitely waited. But let me say this. Once he passes on that option, that God bless you is up for grabs. No argument, unless she's one of these multiple sneezers and he's holding his God bless you in abeyance until she completes the series. What I really liked about this was the multiple sneeze yep, like possibility. Because like, if this is a married couple, I mean, it's something you do notice about your significant other. It's like, they've got certain ways of doing things. It's like, well, they're, they're, no, they're a triple sneezer. Yeah, I'm a double sneezer. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not going to go bless you, bless you, bless you. I'm just going to wait for the, I'm going to wait for the sequence to play out, and then be like, 
Bless you. Yeah, <laughs> Nicola always waits for the second sneeze now. My mum, she's the only person in this world that she always goes, bless you, and again. She always says it just like that, bless you, and again. She's always done I that. Think, I think I might actually do that as well if someone sneezes twice, if there's a bit of a gap. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll usually jump in with the bless you and they're like, and again. Yeah, mum, it's like mum knows I'm a double sneeze, but it's like, oh, bless you. Good on you, Mrs. Dano. That's good. <laughs> like that. But then- um, yeah, as you were saying, holding in advance to complete the series. <laughs> Maybe she was having an off night. But then Elaine enters and calls him Mr. Gesundheit. And not, George has done nothing wrong. George has done nothing wrong. But then Jerry sneezes. Oh, shut up. Then, <laughs> do you think this was Julia mispronouncing a word by accident and they re-edited this to leave it in when she says super, uh, stupid superstition? Probably. Because it just seems like a really odd thing to like. It, it's almost like it takes you out of the moment for a second. It does. It's not really a gag, is it? No. You know, I mean, it's not the kind of gag that you would write. There's a great story about the great movie Boogie Nights. It's a bit of an adult line, so I won't say the whole thing. But William H. Macy, he's, his wife is having sex with someone in the driveway of the party that they're at. And he sort of says, my wife's in the driveway with a something and a something. And he messed it up. And the directors thought it was so, and said, okay, oh, that's really funny, but okay, we better do it and do it right this time. And they did a few more takes, and he said it wrong again, and he loved it so, the director loved it so much, he said, that kind of works, let's keep it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it's often the case that, you know, you'll be really in the moment, or you'll just make a slip of the tongue, it's like, I don't know, it adds, it, it adds a dash of salt, or it adds a little, you know, a little bit of hot sauce to the... Uh, to the proceedings. Let's leave it in. Because you usually get a result that wouldn't have come out acting. It, it has to be natural. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, th- I think it was a genuine slip of the tongue on JLD's part. It seems that way anyway, but slight sidebar. I've just received a message from our man, Sammy J, Australian comedian. Oh, gosh. And he says he um he is keen to come onto our Four Finger Discount podcast in a couple of weeks. So, there we go. Another guest. <laughs> Holy moly. We're racking up the guests. Yeah. I was a, this is turnabout is fair play because I was a guest on Sammy J's ABC radio show one time only. Yeah. But... <laughs> I was never invited back. <laughs> it's like, thanks, thanks for that guy. But, but producers like, hey, hey, um, we got guy coming back. Oh God, this is always death. We're death. <laughs> it's like, thanks for that guy. Don't call us. We'll call you. Like, no, don't call us. <laughs> don't call us. <laughs> Please, love of God, don't call us. <laughs> I don't. I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> Anyway, but that's great news. Yeah, Sammy Sammy Jay's a a funny guy. Um, And I look forward to uh, talking about The Simpsons with him. Do we know which episode? um, We're going to choose one. So I'm thinking maybe like something to do around comedy, like a crusty episode, I think, like a comedian-based episode. Well, I don't know if he does it so much anymore, but it was Sammy Jay and Randy, the puppy. The puppy. The puppet, yes. (laughs) The puppet. Um, Gabbo. Gabbo. Yeah. (laughs) Because you know I love Gabbo. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so some of tell also, us if you're a fan do. of wrestling, uh, AEW slash Ring of Honor superstar uh, Colt Cabana is going to be coming on the Four Figure Discount podcast as well in the next few weeks to review the episode The Homo They Fall, the boxing episode, which I know Guy certainly loves as well. So if you are a fan of The Simpsons and you haven't checked out our Simpsons podcast yet, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button, links in the description of this podcast. Okie dokie. So we've got uh, the big discussion here about the, uh, the, the the fuck up line from Elaine. Then we've got the you're so good looking. I get what they're going for, but no, mm. it doesn't, doesn't work. But then she says that Robin wants George to call her. George is like, 
call her. And Len's like, yeah, it's probably just to apologize for what what went down. That's what she did with me. So immediately he's like, where's the phone? I have to go call this woman immediately. So then at the meanwhile, ET is on. And as George goes to get the phone, Kramer returns the video or a video. Mm -hmm. I liked this, another reason for him to enter the apartment. It's just, you know, he's dancing, he's having a jig and the music's playing. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, her voice starts. That's what sends him into the seizure. But borrowing tapes, like, with your best mates, it's like, just what you did, wasn't it? You, you, people, oh, don't, yeah, people don't lend tapes. Like, you don't really lend anything to friends anymore, do you? Because it's all just available at your fingertips. You don't really need to share physical media anymore. But there was a time when it's like, oh, where's my where's my video of fucking Power Rangers? Oh, fucking mm. Maddie still got it. <laughs> that is correct. But having said that, I mean, uh, my good pal Raph, uh, friend of the show, hopefully he's listening. Mm. G'day, Raph. Um, we've had a bit of a... DVD and Blu-ray sharing thing going on recently. I mean, uh, you know, he's bought a few uh, cool titles that have got some extra features. I'm like, oh, wow, I really should watch this in 4K and, you know, check out the commentary and all that. And I had a few obscure titles that, like, he wanted me to recommend to him. So I'm like, here you go, take this bunch and I'll take that. Yeah, it's, it, it's one of life's good little pre- pleasures, sharing, you know, information and knowledge with with your pals. It's like paying 50%, Hello, it's like paying 50% for, the, for the item in the first place because you're not paying for what he got, and you're sharing with him. So you're, you're saving 50% by sharing. That's very right. And it might be a bit of a try before you buy a thing. It might be, oh, that's so good, I want my own copy. Yeah, and that's why you burn it before you return it to them. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> and I haven't burnt a DVD or anything like that for a long time. Those were the days, hiring videos from the video shop and then burning them. <laughs> I Oh, man. I um, I never did it with discs, but I did it with VHS. I had the two, vid- the two, two VHS the double, setup. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Built myself a very nice little library. I had the transitional period where we um, we didn't have a DVD player yet, but I had a, a player that could copy from DVD to VHS. So I'd get it in DVD quality on a VHS. <laughs> That's pretty neat. My man Steve, my, my good buddy Steve, uh, he was one of the first guys, well, when we met in the early 90s, he was one of the only people I knew who had a laser disc player. Yeah. As we're going way back in the time. They're fucking but he cool, was, man. He, laser discs are awesome. Like, this is rad. You know, I mean, you, you, you're a big vinyl guy, as I know. I mean, mm. this is like the, the CD or the DVD version of vinyl. Well, you know what I did? <laughs> I bought the, um, I, when we were in Disneyland for our honeymoon, Nick, I bought Nicola the Lion King soundtrack, the picture disc vinyl, right? She, Lion mm. King's a favorite movie. She loves the soundtrack. But when you buy the, the picture disc like that at the Disney shop, they don't come in a proper cover. It's just like a slip case with the record inside. And it's shit okay. when it's on your shelf because you can't like, it's just like this mm. plastic, this clear sleeve. So I bought the laser disc of the Lion King for like ten dollars off eBay, and then put the vinyl into that, so it looks like a record. Oh, what a guy! <laughs> Thoughtful man. But yeah, my man Steve had yeah the uh, had the laser disc player, and would occasionally uh, yeah because he was a fairly tech savvy guy, he would he was able to make VHS copies. He, I got a VHS copy in laser disc quality of True Romance, before, wow. like six months before it was released in Australian cinemas. That's I thought I was the coolest cinemas. fucker in Geelong. That would have been the best. Wow. I was sort of swaggering around going, maybe he's born with it. Maybe he's got a VHS <laughs> of True Romance at home. <laughs> the idea of like flipping the movie halfway, it's just, I'm just like, that's so cool. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Um, borrowing tapes. Yeah. So, and this Kramer is, where he, this is where he has the seizure in the background. And the, the joke being that not that he's having a seizure, that Jerry and Elaine just, just don't notice it at all. And he really goes yeah. for it, doesn't he, Mockovich? It's like he does not hold back oh my gosh. at all. Like I said, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing you didn't actually break a bone. Yeah. But Elaine points out that, oh, it's Mary Hart's voice, the same as that woman from Albany. God. What? 
Well, she apologized, and then she wanted to know if we could get together Wednesday afternoon. Get together? Maybe she just wants to talk to me. Married women don't get together. They have affairs. Oh, my God, an affair. It's so adult. <laughs> Elaine doesn't seem all that bothered by it. Yeah, no. at all. Like, at all. She's just like, oh, yeah, she wants to fuck my friend. <laughs> so like, you'd think that she'd have, like, some sort of emotional... Like, hey, George? <laughs> I think she's just, you know, okay, this is the way things work. I'm going to leave it in the hands of you people. It's nothing to do with me. I'm not saying to have it. I'm not saying to not have it. But you go by your own moral compass here. Maybe she hates Michael so much <laughs> as well, after what he was, the way he's been treating Distinct Robin. possibility. That but guy was a douche. George, though, the excitement. <laughs> An affair? So adult. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't cost me any money. <laughs> it, it's great that in, in the episode that he directed, he's just really steering into George B, a slob and a cheapskate. Yeah. Also, and an, well, an apart adulterer. Kramer points out, you know, people that have affairs are the ones that hit cars and drive away. And Joe's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Then Kramer says <laughs> that, that that car, you know who it belongs to? That blonde in the blue sweatpants. Everyone's like, oh. The blue, the blonde in the... It's, it's funny how, like, you there's when you're young or whatever, like, there's this girl that lives close nearby. You don't know her name or anything, but, you know, there's something about her that you describe... All your friends know her as, like, this here, the blonde with the blue sweatpants. Like, I know who you're talking about. I know the girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we, we've met with women, we're like, you know the guy that walks a chihuahua? Oh, I know the guy. You know the guy that walks a chihuahua? Yeah, every day at 7 a.m. But Elaine, uh, she says she's going to meet a guy with grey sweatpants. And, and then we get Kramer saying, how do you know it's not John Tesh? Uh, John Tesh was the co-host, co-host. of E.T. Yeah. Uh, well, why would he have said that? I don't get the, like, I know it's- No, a, no, no, maybe, I know, I know, I know maybe it was John it. Tesh's voice that set him off. Oh, I thought he meant, because she said, I'm going to see- Oh, you thought, you thought that was the guy in the grey sweatpants? Yeah, I thought that's what he was referring to. Ah, okay, okay. It's just because the, the, the lines were said out of order a bit, and now it makes more sense to me, okay. Yeah. Apologies, listeners, for being a fool. Jerry then explains that, you know, he's had a crush on this blonde for a year, and <laughs> she's so pretty, she belongs on a Hallmark card. It reminds me of, um, there's a line in the movie Elf, which I think is just <laughs> the sweetest line I've ever heard, where he says, I'll just say her name's Susan, I can't remember what her name's, what her name is, but it's the woman who plays um, the, uh, like the mechanic in Mandalorian. You know the woman? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Amy Sedaris, I believe. Amy Sedaris, that's it, yes. Amy, she playing the secretary of um, the Elf, Elf Stad, of James um, Khan. James Khan. <laughs> He's like, Susan, you're so, your face is so pretty, you belong in a Christmas card. And I was like, it's just like the sweetest thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it reminds me of that. But then he says, you know, too bad that I can't do anything with the, with the blonde. Too bad because of Angela. Lousy thug. And then he tries to justify <laughs> to himself... You know what? I owe it to society to do something about this. <laughs> it's just like the, the tables have turned. I mean, what kind of sick person does something like that? The woman belongs in prison. I mean, I actually owe it to society to do something about this. I can't sit by and allow this to go on. It's a moral issue is what it is. You can't compromise your principles. How am I going to live with myself? Can't live. I'm not religious, but I certainly know where to draw the line. This country needs more people like you. Don't sell yourself short saying God bless you to every Tom, Dick, and Harry at great personal risk. I believe strongly in that, as you know. There should be more people like us. That's why the world's in the shape that it's in. You're telling me. It's just, it's always great when they just yeah, try to justify the situation, just pick and choose, completely change their entire principles to suit what they want for their agenda for that particular yeah. moment. 
they realise they're in sort of murky situations, both of them, so they have to be a bit codependent. Like, oh, I'm going to push you up a little. Well, I'll push you up in return. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's what friends are for. Mm. Jerry goes to see Becky. Now, by the way, um, I don't know if she's listed in the credits. No. But playing Becky is an actress named Helen Slater. Now, for kids of the 80s, like myself, <laughs> you refer to this woman as Helen Slater because she is indeed just super cute. Uh, she was Supergirl. Uh, there was a big budget movie of Supergirl that was an absolute disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame, and it kind of knocked her career off the rails for a little bit. Then she returned in a film called The Legend of Billie Jean, which is a bit of a cult hit uh, among uh, certain Generation X types. But then she was in a few other movies like Ruthless People, uh, mm-hmm. a really funny comedy with Bette Midler and Danny DeVito. And she was also Michael J. Fox's love interest in The Secret of My Success. Oh, so, okay, um, yeah. Christy, right? I think she might have been Christy. Yeah. Wasn't she, wasn't she in um, City Slickers as well? Of course she was in City Slickers. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, but uh, Helen Slater. Um, yes, Generation X Dream Girl. <laughs> <laughs> she reminds me of the um, the actress. Her name escapes me, but have, you wouldn't have seen it, obviously. The new Santa Claus series with um, Tim Allen. Um, the actress uh, is it Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh yeah, who was on? She was on Lost and a bunch of other stuff. She was yeah, in a couple yes. of the Purge movies. I reckon she looks like a like a early nineties version of Elizabeth Mitchell. Not a bad comparison there, Dando. Yes. Anyway, but yeah. So she, he's now. Oh my God. The woman that I've adored for all this time, she's touched my arm and said, God bless you. So- <laughs> That's the great thing about Seinfeld, how they just draw in these whole little bits and pieces and give them great significance and sort of stud them throughout the episode. And quite often quite subtly. I mean, not subtly, but elegantly. So it's like, oh, everything's kind of connected. And you know that means something. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. This is a, this is a well-written episode by Mr. Melman. Yeah. George is now laying in bed next to Robin. And I love that, yeah, like you were saying earlier, oh, no, I don't know, you didn't commit adultery. I did. But then the, I oh, don't worry. If I didn't do it with you, I would have done it with somebody else. <laughs> it's like, so uh, they're, at jo- they're at George's place, I'm assuming. Is it? Oh, I guess it would have to be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Look at the, just the rest of development in that room. I mean, what is it, a poster like the Green Lantern above his bed or something? I didn't even pay attention George. to that. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a very childish room. <laughs> but Robin's I mean, I not- shouldn't say that. I got, I got pop vinyls up the wazoo here. Yeah, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking around the room. I'm like, am I a child? <laughs> I'm sure if I went to the room that is shared by you and Nicola, I wouldn't be seeing a Green Lantern poster above the bed. No, 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 not at all. We're actually on our wall. We have a jigsaw puzzle of our wedding photo. There you go. What do you have on your wall besides the photo of your ex-wife? <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I have? I've got in my bedroom above my bed and on the walls in there, I've got a print by an artist called Shag, who I think I've talked about on one of our shows in the past, does sort of a pop art kind of deal. Yeah. Um, and it's a yeah, sort of a, uh, a painting or a print of a um, sort of a 50s cocktail party done in this sort of cartoonish style. I, I like it a lot. Uh, an Art Deco style poster of the German movie Metropolis. And one or two others, and just little bits and pieces. A very nice picture of a black cat that was uh, given to me as a gift. Yeah, but um, no superheroes in my bedroom. <laughs> Hi, it's Michael. Hi, Michael. <laughs> Is Robin there? Robin? No, why? Uh, she said she was going to be with you. No, I haven't spoken to her all day. Di- uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, as, a, as a matter of fact... Um, she, she was here, and uh, 
She, she left a note, but I, I wasn't here, but I, I have the note uh, right here. She's not with you, then where is she? Well, I, I don't know. Is she with your bald friend from the other night? No, no. Come on, Michael. <laughs> He's finished. I'm gonna sew his ass to his face. I'm gonna twist his neck so hard his lips will be his eyebrows. I'm gonna break his joints and reattach him. You're so good looking. If you're gonna use Elaine as an alibi, give her the heads up. Yeah. <laughs> what a terrible yeah, alibi. alibi's got to know they're being an alibi. That's how alibis work. <laughs> what a terrible thing to do. You're just what an idiot. And then, yeah, obviously Michael just goes absolutely ballistic for good reason. I mean, he's a horrible person, but, you know, cheating's not great. But, yeah, so, you're, so his ass to his face. Yeah, not great. And there's something else. He says something about his eyebrows or whatever, but then he sneezes and says, she says, you're so good looking. And I was like, eh, it's not working. <laughs> no. <laughs> Angela now is threatening Jerry. Now you listen to me. Suck face. You tell anybody anything, and I will carve my initials in your brain tissue. I'll bash your skull into a vegematic like a bad cabbage, and I'll have a party on your head! Hi, Elaine. This is Angela. I'll pluck all your body hairs out with my teeth! Well, I think I get the gist of it. So you don't say anything to anybody about me hitting that car. What car? Good. I'm glad we understand each other. It's not complicated. Okay, you can't tell if he's legitimately terrified or he's kind of amused, and he but he can't. He recognizes that she's so worked up that he can't return fire with fire. Yeah. He's just, I think he's just got to go. I'm going to let you get this out of your system, and then I'm going to let you leave my apartment, and then we're never going to see each other again. <laughs> yeah, because like you know, if it's only ever happened a couple of times when Nicola's like furiously angry, and like when she's that angry, she's funny. <laughs> I'm just like, and then inside I'm like, don't make it visible that you are laughing. No. <laughs> <laughs> then we get Elena obviously walking in in the background. She realizes here she heard the whole thing go down. She starts calling out Jerry for his, his story and making him feel silly. Then George enters. And she says, have you checked your machine? Because she's worried for George's safety because Michael says he's going to sew his ass to his face. And he explains the story to George. George immediately is like, what do you mean you said that? And I'm like, George, what was she supposed to say? <laughs> but it's like, such a great, you lie. How hard is it to lie? <laughs> Not very. <laughs> and then, yes, the whole episode was just about lying. Then it's your fault. You got her all juiced up with your Matador story. <laughs> Then Jerry, oh, Matador story. Hmm. And then the way he just delivers the name is just like the greatest thing ever. And he just revels in it. Then we got Jerry chatting to uh, to Becky. And she says she's already got an estimate. It's $875. And Jerry, trying to be a good Samaritan, says he'll pay for it and get his friend to pay it back. But I can see why Becky would immediately assume, wait a minute, motherfucker, it was you. Trying to be a good Samaritan, but also with, you know, um... A few angles being played in there, shall we say? It it's just plausible enough. That it's like, yeah, I could maybe buy. It's like, how about I'll I'll pay it now, and then they can pay me. It's eh, look, it, it's convenient, it's easily done. Yep. But no, Becky sees right through it. Jerry's going on a on a trip for three weeks, doing a doing a schedule, different stand ups, and George is going to follow with him because there's a maniac stalking him throughout the city. Kramer walks in, and he says, "Can't believe you did what you did." You no, know, Becky told me all about it. He explains to Kramer, no, 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 I paid it for someone else. I was covering for somebody else. And then he says, well, that's good. 
I've got a date with Becky. And it's just saying, he just doesn't care. He's like, yeah, works for me. Yeah. As, long as, as long as it works for me, it's all that matters. <laughs> and he gave him an excuse to catch up. And then we cut to Kramer arriving at uh, Becky's house. And unfortunately, she's listening to or she's watching Entertainment Tonight in the background. And that's the end of that date, I'm assuming, because he has his seizure. It really is because he seizures up and <laughs> I mean, his hair slicked down. So I'm assuming it's got some kind of product in it. It's sort of going all over the place. It looks like um, Becky, aka Held Slater, is about to break as well because, oh my God, he's so close and he's getting stuff all over me. Yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> I knew he was going to go wacky, but not this wacky. It's like, <laughs> this guy's just a mad yeah. man. <laughs> but that is our review of The Good Samaritan. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. A really, really funny episode of Seinfeld that... Like it has like I would say two or three moments here that are really like quintessential Seinfeld, like the lying stories and how it unravels things like that. Seinfeld always has a good payoff for a fuck up, like a, a lie unraveling. It's always hilarious and it, yeah. it's um, in spades in this episode. So, yeah, and I thought all the um, supporting cast were great as well. As you said, Helen Slater was great as Becky, and I thought Melinda McGraw was great as Angela as well. Mm. Um, I mean, Robin was played by an actress named Anne Talman, and uh, Joseph Malone played Michael. They were a believable angry couple don't you reckon yes i think so you could buy the uh underlying simmering hostility yeah i, I wouldn't say she was necessarily angry she was just more living no, in no. a hostile environment but um but yeah a, a really fun episode of Seinfeld. the next one we're going to be reviewing is the letter so make sure you check out in a couple of weeks for that episode as well on your feeds and please continue to rate and review us on apple podcast spotify or wherever you do find this podcast, we will be reading out all reviews that you leave here on the show next week. So jump on Apple Podcasts and leave us some kind words and chuck us five stars. That'll be really appreciated. Also, please continue to follow us on Twitter at Talking Seinfeld on Twitter. Also follow the Four Finger Discount Twitter as well at Four Finger Pod. We would appreciate that. And if you do have a message for us or a question, you can send that to TalkingSeinfeld at mailbag.com. Don't forget, guys, we also have a new show, a King of the Hill podcast. If you're a fan of King of the Hill, make sure you check that one out. Next episode is going to be The Letter. This has been The Good Samaritan, Mr. Davis. Any final words for those incredible listeners out there? Incredible listeners, I wonder if you can tell what colour sweatpants I'm wearing. Answers in the comment section. <laughs>